morning, buenos dias. It's a beautiful Southern California morning here where I'm at. The last three episodes were dedicated to the territory of spiritual materialism. I don't know about you, but every time I revisit something like this or, or study a particular topic and you contemplate on it, you kind of see it everywhere. <laughs> or it doesn't take much for for some something to uh, spark that recognition of that particular teaching so that you go about uh, and you, oh, okay, there it is, or there I'm engaging in this, or I'm doing that, or you talk to someone and it, uh, whatever they say to you or share with you kind of reminds you of, of uh, how these teachings are so applicable to to us as, as humans. This uh, last uh, week or so, I ran into someone. Uh, I can't really call him a friend because uh, I, I don't uh, have an ongoing relationship with this person. So it's more like uh, an acquaintance. <clears throat> but um, every time we run into each other, we take some time to get caught up. This person is a, uh, a Christian and has a fascination with meditation because he has his own practice as a Christian. In the mornings, he'll uh, read the Bible and he uh, prays. So he believes that uh, there's something there in common with what uh, we as Buddhists do with meditation. And we always end up kind of sharing notes, talking about it. He also knows that I have this very small study and meditation group. It's one of those meetup groups. And he'll say, hey, how's your group going? And how's that coming along? One of these days, uh, I want to join you. And uh, he's just being, I think, just polite because he never does. But every time we run into each other, he'll say that uh, one of these days he'll uh, sh show up. And I'll say, hey, that's great. If you do show up, please, you're welcome to. We'll, we'll wait for you. Uh, so, after we get caught up with, with one another, we'll start talking about, uh, um, you know, Christianity and, and, and Buddhism and uh, prayer and uh, meditation. Uh, and it pretty much feels like we go over the same territory over and over again. I'll ask him, how's your prayer coming along? And he'll ask me, how's my meditation practice coming along? And we start talking about it. But it feels like we go over the same territory each time, uh, over and over again. But it doesn't feel disingenuous, interestingly. You know, it feels uh, it, that it's coming from a good place. And that uh, that's good. So, based on previous conversations, I have a good idea of where he's at and where he is well, what he's working with. And so I'll get to to that point. He'll pray after he does a, I don't know, um, you know, 10-minute Bible study, and he'll pray to God. And what it amounts to, and 
so it seems, and this is no criticism on, on my part, it just seems to amount to this. His prayer is a series of uh, I, I wants. I want uh, this, and I want that, and please help me with this, and uh, help me with, uh, with that. And, uh, you know, concerning his uh, business ventures and his uh, family and his goals and his what he wants to uh, achieve uh, in, in life and so on. So that's what pretty much that prayer revolves uh, around. And, and then he'll, he'll stop and he has this moment of, of silence. Now, based on previous experience with him, I don't think that he did that, waiting, pausing, stopping. I think it was just a continuous uh, prayer, almost like a, a mantra kind of thing. Um, and But <clears throat> um, I'm not sure that it was based on my recommendation, but at, at one point I, I suggested to him, well, um, do you ever um, just stop? praying and just uh, wait to hear God's response to your prayers. And based on his response to that, I, I don't think he did that, but then he did started doing that. Again, I, I don't want to make it seem as if it was because of what I said, but perhaps it was. So now he, he does pause, he, he waits in silence. And in previous conversations, I, I had inquired, so how it, how does that go? And he has shared with me that, uh, well, it gets to the point where it uh, he begins to panic. There's this anxiety, there's this uh, uh, fear that becomes uh, almost uh, overwhelming. And so at that point, then he begins to pray again. And uh, the prayer... Uh, is usually then about uh, help me, God, to deal with this fear, this anxiety. Work with this. That's that's good, right? It's a sign of uh, opening up. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of so you know. Strictly speaking, from and viewing this from a Buddhist point of view, um, it seems that uh, it's a different kind of engagement than the. I want this, I want that, please God help me with getting this and getting that uh, thing, right? Uh, the help me, assist me, give me courage, it's of a different kind of engagement with that kind of practice. But, here's the thing though, um, at one point, I asked him, well, how, what does your, your minister, the person that you speak to in your church, say about this and, and recommend that you do with, with that? Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to just tell him what he should do. And he shared with me that his minister told him that uh, that kind of fearful feeling that became overwhelming was demonic in source and did recommend to him that 
At that point, he start praying to God again, so that God could help him uh, face that, um, well, that fear, that uh, anxiety. Now, you know, I wasn't so thrown by um, the demonic part because, uh, you know, uh, I mean, so what, right? If uh, his minister, and if he feels that that uh, is uh, demonic in, in origin, one could be easily too judgmental about, about that. Uh, and there was something more interesting that I wanted to, to explore. And also, you know, when one considers that uh, there are plenty of places in this world also where Buddhists uh, have uh, very um, questionable um, interpretations and beliefs. Um, you know, if um, somewhere in the deep jungles of Burma or uh, even among you know the masses of of Buddhist um, believers, uh, these um, right cultural Buddhists, there's some very weird beliefs that uh, have absolutely nothing to do with with Buddhism. And also the proper perspective here with respect to this uh, person is that this is probably something that's very particular to this person's Christian denomination, that uh, it's not by any means uh, something that mainstream Christianity or Catholicism would uh, agree with. And I think we're safe to say that mainstream Christianity and Catholicism is leaving these kind of superstitious beliefs behind. Anyhow, I don't want to focus on this part of uh, the origins of fear and uh, anxiety uh, being demonic from a Christian, this particular Christian point of view. That would be too, uh, it would be kind of boring to, to go there, too easy to you know, just be overly critical about it. I think there's common territory that is more interesting or that's worth uh, exploring, especially from the point of view of the three episodes on uh, spiritual materialism. And that is the expectations that uh, both as Buddhists and as Christians, as humans, period, we take into any spiritual practice and how we all too quickly uh, subvert that practice, especially as it starts becoming genuine and it becomes to open up and we begin to feel exposed and vulnerable, then what we do as humans with that is what is more interesting to explore and is the common ground that as humans we have, I believe, regardless of uh, the different religious traditions that humans belong to. And I think it's fair to say that every single religious tradition is grappling with attempting to comprehend something that it's recognized humans are limited in their attempt to capture. And What's common to all religious traditions is the claim that each one of them says that central to its purpose is the 
attempt to uh, be in contact with and understand and be in communion with um, reality, what is what is true, what is real about our world and uh, how we interact with the world that's there available to us. And that uh, language is the primary means by which we attempt to understand this and share this with others. And uh, furthermore, that this instrument of language is viewed as inadequate at uh, capturing what we'd like to, uh, well, capture, which is something that is beyond the ability of words and uh, intellect to, to comprehend. And each religious tradition has colorful stories and metaphors that communicate to us this human uh, hubris that attempts to capture what can't be captured. Uh, it's a human uh, arrogance. But look, uh, language is a wonderful thing. Right? Uh, our human intellect is a, a wonderful tool. But just as uh, a net is not the right kind of tool to capture water, well, uh, language is not the right uh, tool to capture experience. And um, most of the the way that we come in contact with the reality that we wish to uh, both understand and experience, uh, well, uh, intellect and uh, language is but uh, one of the instruments that uh, are available to us, right? The other ones are the, uh, well, the instruments of the uh, sense organs. Well, it so happens that as humans, for the most part, we live inside the, the filter of language, our thinking, our intellect, and it's done so at the cost of the sense organs, which provide us with a more direct experience that intellect and understanding language are inadequate to, to describe but our arrogance as humans would like to believe that by talking our way through everything that we are able to, to capture what essentially cannot be captured because there are, as I mentioned earlier, an infinite uh, number of ways to describe what is, uh, well, coming out of this, this void, reality with the, uh, well, quotation marks around it. Um, and when Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche is going over these three lords of materialism with us, I believe that this is what he's pointing out to us the inadequacy of our effort 
to to capture something that does not require being captured that does not require for us to uh, possess with our understanding and with language but we continue to do so because we are so enamored with uh, this uh, this thinking, especially the kind of thinking that is this uh, echo chamber that represents who and what we we think we are as uh, as a me, as an I, as a persisting and independent thing that uh, experiences. So back to our Christian friend that prays to God, prays in the most sincerest way possible. And when this person ceases that conversation with God and waits for God's response in silence, he is ill-equipped to to stay in that silence and listen to God's response because the moment that God's response is unsettling shakes the foundations of this person does not meet this person's expectations of how God would respond to a person like himself, well, this person runs away from that experience, which happens to be God's response to his prayers. And here is where the common ground with us as Buddhists is to be found. And this is one particular way that I interpret Jogen Trumpa's instructions on the three lords of materialism. We take something into this path, into this practice, that we subvert because we don't like the response to our sincere engagement of this very simple um, practice. Just like the Christian doesn't like that silence that is God's response to his prayers, we don't like that unsettling quality of what meditation entails because it doesn't meet our expectations. And we become disappointed. And we respond to this sense of disappointment. But in so doing, we run away. Just like our Christian friend runs away from God's response to his prayers. And as Buddhists, we can be appreciative that Chogyam Trumpa has left for us these wonderful instructions 
so that instead of running away from that disappointment, we lean into it and we see it as a good and healthy response to our sincere practice of meditation. And we continue to surrender to that instead of shying away from that. And in so doing, slowly, little by little, that ambition that we bring onto our path is eroded all too slowly perhaps, all too gradually, but without doubt it is worn down slowly, like the sole of uh, an old shoe is worn down as we walk on it more and uh, more. And in time, the very effort on our part to run away from that dissatisfaction that revisits our meditation experience over and over again is experienced as tiresome, as, oh no, here here I go again, attempting to, to run away from what should be faced, should be felt, should be um, given into completely. I was logged into Facebook today and, you know, as we occasionally run across these ads that attempt to target us according to what we read, what we respond to, and then these uh, ads are specifically targeted to us. Today I ran across such advertisement on my Facebook timeline, and it read as follows. Discover the powerful and life-transforming secrets to meditation in one of the most iconic and spiritual buildings in L.A., the Magnificent Dome. For over a century, the Dome has been a spiritual sanctuary with deeply peaceful vibrations. Just as the dance floor encourages one to dance, the space of meditation at the Dome allows beginners to effortlessly transcend into relaxing meditative states. In this workshop, you'll learn the tools that will allow you to learn how to meditate, reduce stress and anxiety, overcome obstacles to meditation. Well, I think you you get the idea here and the connection to what Chukim Trumpa Rinpoche is describing so uh, eloquently for us with respect to uh, spiritual materialism. Ladies and gentlemen, amigos and amigas, Buddhism is not into meditation states. So, ladies and gentlemen, This is my take, my twist on what I believe resides at the heart of these instructions on spiritual materialism left to us by Chogyam Trimpa Rinpoche so that we use them as instructions that guide us along 
our path. And this brings us to the end of this episode. I do plan to share more episodes with you and discuss more of these wonderful teachings left by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. So, if you so desire, please subscribe so that when I do share the next episode with you, you are promptly notified. Take care of yourselves, and uh, until next time.